Good morning, All Souls family. Uh, as we always say on Easter Sunday morning, He is risen. All right, that went very good. He is risen. <laughs> Much better. I do wish you were behind me in this uh, lovely amphitheater this morning, as we have been for many years. Uh, and I especially miss the baptisms this morning. That, that's a, a highlight. But I am thankful that we can be together like this in the meantime. Uh, Sandy and I decided that we would just expose ourselves to one uh, news cast a day. And so we typically do that after dinner. And I found something strange happening. I, I found myself looking forward to watching the news. And that is odd, given how much bad news there is these days. And so I began to, to ask myself, why, Doug? Why, why are you looking forward to watching the news? And I realized that I was hoping that the news would give me hope. Uh, that maybe a, a leading doctor would tell us that we flattened the curve. Uh, or a leading economist would tell us that the stimulus package is working. Uh, or a leading psychologist might say that everything's going to be okay. I was looking to the news uh, for hope. Where are you looking to for hope this Easter? A friend sent me a, a podcast by uh, a pastor in New York City. His name's Pete Scazzaro. And the podcast is called Our Collective Dark Night of the Soul. Uh, and what he was talking about was uh, an idea from St. John of the Cross, a, a 16th century Spanish mystic. And the idea in St. John's book is that you go through periods in your life that feel very dark, where God feels absent, uh, where, where your attachments are taken away. The things that you were hoping in are stripped away from you. And at the end of it, there's more room for God to come into your life. And his point was, and he's right in the middle of it in New York City, and people in his congregation are, are really suffering, his point was that God can be using this time to strip away our attachments to maybe show us what some of our false hopes are. Now, Peter, in the text that Chantel just read, talks about a living hope that we have in Christ. And the Greek word for living means genuine or authentic. God gives us a genuine or an authentic hope. The Hebrew word for hope means to trust. So our, our hope is what we trust in to make sense of our lives, what we trust in to give our lives purpose and, and, and meaning. And one of the lessons that we might be learning in this very difficult time is that maybe some of the things that we have put our trust in uh, are not really able to bear our hope. Not that they're bad. I mean, Dr. Fauci is not a bad guy. I'm sure he's probably a great guy, but he's not a god. He can't give me hope. Uh, being productive in work is a good thing. We should want to do that. But if I put my hopes in my productivity, uh, I'm going to be really frustrated in a time like this. So one of the great gifts that we have is the living hope that we have in Christ. And 
We are going to spend from now till Pentecost thinking about the hope of the resurrection. We're just going to take that whole theme from Genesis to Revelation and look at how resurrection is the center of our faith. Uh, But today I just want to look at verse 3 of 1 Peter chapter 1. It's this wonderful, densely packed uh, vision of the hope that we have in the resurrection. If you have a Bible, you might want to look at it because there's a lot here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now let's take that phrase by phrase. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now Peter is writing shortly after a great fire broke out in Rome and the Emperor Nero used the fire as an excuse to begin a persecution of Christians that would go on uh, sporadically for a hundred years. Peter actually would lose his life in that persecution within five years. And he's writing to small little clusters of believers throughout northern Turkey who were, were afraid. Uh, they didn't know where the next fire of persecution would break out. They didn't know how long it would last. They knew people who were already suffering because of it. Um, and, and they were having their economic stability upset. And so Peter writes them to encourage them with hope. But, but notice he does not begin with the news. Uh, you will not find the name of Nero uh, in anywhere in First Peter. You won't find the word Rome. You won't find any projections about how long uh, this suffering will last. Instead, the first thing that Peter does is he worships. The very first thing Peter does in bringing hope to the people of God is worshiping the God who was and is and is to come. And I, I think what I missed the most this morning is the sound of our voices coming together in this wonderful amphitheater. Uh, I don't like to sing alone. I love worshiping together with you. I love being together on Sunday nights, worshiping together with you. Uh, But we can't do that right now. So one of the things we need to ask is, what does worship look like in a time like this? Because we we have to get above the death charts and the tolls and all the talking heads, and we need to worship. For me, the morning and evening prayer has been a a wonderful way to praise and bless God in this time. Uh, I, I'm, I'm having rich times in a morning prayer walk in scripture, poetry, nature. Uh, the, the full moon is just uh, ministered to me. Uh, what is it going to look like for you to worship during these days? Well, what is Peter praising God for? According to his great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. So God, not because of anything we have done, but because of his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. Now, what does it mean to be born again? Well, we find the roots of this idea in Ezekiel's famous vision of the valley of the dry bones. Ezekiel sees a valley of of dry bones the Lord tells Ezekiel to prophesy over the bones and tell them that God's breath is going to fill them up and they'll come back to life. 
And that's what happens. Ezekiel 37 verse 10 says, I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. And then God promises to bring the people back into the promised land. And he says, I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. Now, the next place we find the idea of being born again or revived or renewed or resurrected by the spirit is when Jesus is talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus in John chapter three. Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, Nicodemus is confused and uh, Jesus clarifies his meaning and says, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, a third place where we see this idea of a new birth, being born again by the spirit, is Romans chapter eight, verse nine. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the Bible says we need two births. We, we are born physically. And, and this is a beautiful gift. Few things are as inspiring as the birth of a child. The Bible celebrates physical, bodily life. The, the gospel is embodied and the Bible celebrates the body. But there is another dimension to life. We are also created to enjoy spiritual life as well as physical life. We are created, actually even made, to enjoy union with God. Well, there's a problem. Uh, we all are born spiritually stillborn. Paul says in Ephesians 2.5, that we were born dead in our sins, that we are not born in union with God. And so spiritually speaking, we're all lying in the valley of uh, dry bones. We need God's breath to revive us, to make us alive by the Spirit. And Peter says, when that happens, we are born again to a living hope. Now, why is there a living hope for those who are born again. Well, it's because there is only so much hope we can squeeze out of the physical plane of life. There's only so much hope that we can find on the physical sphere. The physical world is beautiful, but it's also fallen. Nothing will be perfect here, and so nothing in the physical world can offer us a a living, eternal hope. Creation is good, but it also groans. So we cannot find living hope purely in the physical dimension of our lives. So it's, it's a wonderful thing to, to hope that if you lost your job, that you get it back. I hope you do too, but someday that job may go away. It's it's, a, it's a very important that we hope that few die in our city, um, but eventually we all die. 
it, it, it's great to hope that your political leader gets elected, but they'll have problems too. Living hope requires a second birth, birth in the spirit, being born again. And when we're born again, we are united to Christ. His eternal life becomes our eternal life. And Paul describes this new relationship in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is the source of our living hope, uh, our, our shared life with Christ. Julian of Norwich also lived through very difficult times. Um, she lived in Norwich, England in the 14th century. She survived the Black Death. Uh, nearly uh, over half of her city was killed in that plague. She actually became very ill herself she was an anchoress. She had devoted her life to prayer and lived in isolation and solitude. And uh, when she was near death, she had a series of, of visions and, and she went in to record them in a book called The Revelations of Divine Love, actually became the, the first book by a woman printed and published in the English language. And, and it talks about her prayer to Jesus and she's pouring out her heart about all the suffering in the world and the pain of the world and the sin of the world. And Jesus says to her, all shall be well and all will be well and all manner of thing shall be well. All shall be well, all will be well and all manner of things shall be well. Now, Julian actually was healed and went on to live 33 more years. But in her book, that's not what Jesus was talking to her about. What Jesus was talking to her about was that in him, in union with him, abiding in him, living in him, all shall be well. That's our living hope. That's what we are born again to. Now, how are we born again? Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is not just kind of wishful thinking. It's not just ethereal. Uh, it's not just an idea. It's grounded in a historical event. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And every early Christian knew this. Uh, Paul summarizes what, what every Christian knew in a little hymn or a little liturgical prayer that was passed around in the early church and that we find in 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. In other words, he is handing on what he received and this is just 20 years after Christ. This is already embedded in the consciousness of the church. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500, most of whom are still alive, then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, last of all, he appeared to me. Now, what did the resurrection have to do 
with being born again? Well, we are all born spiritually dead, and so we all need resurrection. Uh, even the best person needs spiritual resurrection. And when we put our hope in Christ, when we trust in Christ, when we believe in Christ, we share in his resurrection. Listen to Jesus's words uh, that he says to Martha after her brother Lazarus died in John 11:24. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, although he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, Paul will state the promise in a different way in Romans 8, 10. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your physical body through his spirit who dwells in you. And then again in Romans 6, 4. We were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. To be born again is to be resurrected to a new kind of life, a life filled with energy and hope. Now, I, I am hopeful about life in this physical realm. I'm continually impressed with the creativity of human beings made in the image of God. I would never bet against the human race. I believe we will get through this and emerge better. But, but that is not where our living hope lies. I, I think Jesus is saying to us today what he said to Julian of Norwich, all shall be well but he's not speaking about our economy or our hospitals or our politics. He's speaking about life in him. All shall be well when we live in him. So very important question. Just want to ask you, have you been born again? This is the source of our living hope. I do hope and pray that you stay well. I hope and pray you get your job back. I hope and pray our restaurants open and our streets are filled with dancing and chalk artists. I, I hope that the football stadiums are full again. Those are good things. We thank God for them, but those are not the source of our living hope. Our living hope is found in him when we are born again. Well, the way we express our trust or our hope in Jesus is through prayer. And Jesus says that you can enjoy resurrection life right now by believing in him. And so if you would like to be born again to a living hope this morning, pray this prayer with me and make it your own. Jesus, there are many things I don't understand about faith and religion and church and Christianity. But I do know this. I want to be born again this Easter Sunday. I want a hope that is bigger than what the physical world can provide. I want a living hope. I've tried to make life work purely in the physical world. I see the futility of that now. 
I turn away from a one-dimensional life. I want resurrection life. I want union with you. I want to know you and live with you and live for you. I believe you are the resurrection and the life. Save me now. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Make me the person you want me to be. Breathe in the dry bones of my life and fill me with your spirit. Amen. Well, if you prayed this prayer this morning, or if you'd like to talk further about the spiritual dimension of our life where living hope is found, there's a little form on the bottom of the page, and uh, you can scroll down to it, fill it out. It'll come to me, and I'll contact you this week.